Right. David, I want you to sit up here next to the sheep. Over here, next to the sheep. I want you to go and sit there for a moment. Sit down by the sheep. Now, gentlemen, I need seven sons of Jesse. So can I have seven men up here, please, lined up alongside? And if you don't do it, I'll just come and pick you. Come on, in order, in order, come on. What a fine bunch of men, I know, great specimens. So again, due to budget cuts, I'm afraid I am both Jesse and Samuel. So, I walk along the line. This one, God? No, okay. Him? No, no. He's a fine-looking specimen. But still, no. Oh dear, bare legs. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Chelsea supporter, definitely not. <laughs> um, he lives in the right part of town, but no. And, well, this is one of the oldest sons. He should be a king, but God says no. So what are we going to do? Jesse, have you got anybody else? Well, as it turns out, we've got a young whippersnapper who's up looking after the sheep. So, shall I go and get him? Yes. David? You can come down here, please. Just stand there. Thank you. Now, I don't have a horn of oil, but I do have Aldi's finest extra virgin <laughs> olive oil. And I'm sure David's parents won't mind if I pull this all over his head. <laughs> but we'll pretend. So I anoint him as the future king of Israel. So you can all go back. Thank you very much. David, you can go and sit down, but you'll be coming back in a minute. <laughs> Who needs the Royal Shakespeare Company anyway? We have our very own Goliath. So, who fancy taking him on in a scrap then? Where's David? Come along, David. So, David, do you think you can beat Goliath? Before you go up there, hang on, hang on, David. David. No. Again. Again. That's it. Again. Oh, well, you've beaten him. Let's try one more time. That's it, one more time. David, only you get it once. Thank you. Now, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. There was no hesitation. 
I didn't notice any of you lot jump up to take on our very own Goliath. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to take a look at these three events. We very briefly touched on the life of King David with these three specific episodes in his life. There are, of course, many, many more that we could have chosen from. David lived a very long and a very full and a very dramatic life. But what we look at this morning shows us what the relationship between King David and God was like. And that same relationship is one that we should have with God. We know from 1 Samuel 13 verse 14 that David was a man of God's own heart. But now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him to be ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. We hopefully had some fun this morning, had a few laughs along the way when we looked at David's anointing as the future king of Israel, his fight with Goliath, and his dancing before the Lord. If we look at David's anointing, it shows us that God can use the lowliest of men or women for the highest of jobs. So you should never ever disqualify yourself from service to God. It's not your choice, funnily enough, it's God's choice. And he's chosen you because you wouldn't be sitting here otherwise. David was a simple shepherd boy, tending to the massive flock of sheep that we have here, the youngest of eight brothers. Yet God chose him to become Israel's greatest king. And that story leads us to the greatest shepherd of all time, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. King David achieved many great things in his illustrious life. Yet he was very much not a perfect man. Yet every time something went wrong, the first person he turned to when he really messed up was God. The Psalms lay bare his soul once he had made a mess of things generally. When he had lusted after Bathsheba and had her husband placed in a forthcoming in a battle that would result in his death, God was not pleased with David. And he let him know exactly how he felt through the prophet Nathan. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonite. Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4. David acknowledges that sin. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant Mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned 
and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. And he did bring punishment on David with the death of the son, the first son that he had with Bathsheba. And for the rest of his life, he had trouble in the house of David. Yet, God did not abandon him. How do you feel when you mess up? And if anyone here says, I don't, then you're a liar. Because we all do, every day. We start up every morning with a clean sheet, and we pray in our quiet time and say, today's the day when I don't mess up. And probably 15 or 20 seconds after we walk away from our quiet time, we mess up. But do you go straight to God to seek forgiveness and to ask him to guide you through the rest of the day, and indeed through the rest of your life, as he did to King David and countless others, heroes of faith in the Bible? Will you worship him and let him know how you feel about him? Are you able to express the depth of your love and your feelings to the Lord your God? Fighting Goliath is perhaps one of the most well-known episodes in David's life. When David met Goliath, it was estimated that he was between 13 and 15 years of age. Our David is a little bit younger than that. But again, that's the budget cuts for you. The giant Goliath was six cubits and a span, roughly nine feet, nine inches tall. Even bigger than Ramon, if anything's possible. But as we heard in the reading Barry brought to us, David was not scared of Goliath. Why? Because he came in the name of the Lord of hope. Just as our David was quite happy to run up to Goliath and throw the rock at him, so David was quite comfortable knowing he was going to win. Now for us, if we were facing somebody like that, we would probably think, I'm just going to get hammered here. And in everyday situations that we face, sometimes we are fearful of what the outcome is going to be because we find it difficult to trust God. We 99% of the time trust God, but we always keep that 1% tucked away inside of ourselves that say, well, if it doesn't work, I can sort this out. And that's when your troubles really start, when you try and sort it out. He said to Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. It demonstrates David's complete trust in the Lord to deliver him from all things. And throughout his life, read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, there are a few good books on the life of David. He seems to have lurched from one crisis to the next, but he always turned to God and God always delivered him from it. But he was punished. He was not allowed at the end of his life to build the temple because he had disobeyed God over the issue of the census. But God did not abandon him, nor would he abandon him, nor will he abandon any of you. If you love him and you know him, God will deliver you from all of life's trials. Some of those trials take a very long time to come to a close. Sometimes we can forget who we belong to, and those trials can weigh us down. 
they can make us miserable, depressed. So often we can blame God for something that is actually our own fault. But God will take you through it. Many times, many years later, you may look back and think, it was the Lord who took me through that trial, who sustained me. Because of myself, I would have crumbled. David's life, he demonstrated his trust when he had problems with Saul, Absalom, Abner, just to name a few. David's reactions to these can be read in the Psalms, which is why our psalmody is so important to us when we're in struggles, because there is somebody who has done that with us before. He's gone through it, and he turns to the Lord, and that gives us a model to see, as does our Lord Jesus. If you look at Jesus' life, that was not an easy life. He suffered great persecution, as have all the saints that have come after him, as indeed it does for us. Now we come to the last bit, dancing before the Lord. When David was harangued by his wife, he said to her, It is before the Lord I dance. He chose me in place of your father and all your household to appoint me as prince over Israel. The people of the Lord that I have danced before in the Lord, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in my own eyes. By the maids of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. Now, when I ask volunteers to come forward and to dance to that Hezekiah Walker song, how did you feel if I'd asked you to come up and dance? Uncomfortable? It's strange doing that. After all, I'm British. We don't do that sort of thing. We have been chosen by God. Just as he chose David, he has chosen you. And there is a role for you. It might not be as grand as David, but it might be. We don't know. We are the sheep of his pasture, the people of his possession. Are we too ashamed to declare our love and dedication to Christ for fear of ridicule? In our times of worship, private or public, do we stop the work of the Holy Spirit within us because it's just too embarrassing to be seen to let go? I was at our grandson's wedding a week ago. And when the evening disco started, the lights went down, the sparkly ball revolved, everybody shot onto that dance floor. People looking and thinking, I'm just like John Travolta or Beyonce. Well, actually, what it looked like from the outside was a collective epileptic fit. So if we're happy to do that, why aren't we happy to show our devotion and love to God? In public. There was no embarrassment at all. We know the vicar who did the marriage and his wife, and she loves to dance, but it looked more like she was trying to drill a hole in the floor than actually movements. And everybody had a great time, but we would never dream of doing that in public to show our love and devotion to Jesus. Would we dance as David did for our king? Do we sing up 
in our times of worship? Do we pray? Do we speak to him as often as we can? There's no limit how often we can speak with God. We don't need to have an appointment or invitation. When you go out of the house and you forget your mobile phone, do you turn around and go back and get it? What about this? You check your phone every five minutes for messages. How often do you check this for a message from God? The life of King David teaches us many things about how we are to live our life as Christians. We can hide behind the fact that we're British and we're supposed to have a stiff upper lip. Maybe God's spending an awful lot of time trying to crack that special lip. It doesn't matter if we can't sing very well or our dancing looks like a a fit. It says in Scripture, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if you're happy making that noise, who cares what others around you think? Within reason. But David's life should challenge us as believers. It teaches us many things. How much do we love Jesus Christ? Really? How much do we want to show him how much we love him? We can never repay him. But in the trying, in sharing our faith, we show him how much we love him because we are not embarrassed to share or to dance or to sing loudly. He made some real howlers in his life yet, as is with us. God is utterly faithful to all of his children without exception. Never let Satan try and tell you anything else. Amen.